Welcome to the Blind Side Rewind. We are back. Justin, how goes it? Uh, pretty good, man. How have you been doing? It feels like been... it's been forever since I've had a chance to talk to you. It does feel like that. We have been busy people. I was out of town for a week. Justin's had a lot going on. We just got a lot going on right now. Yeah, for sure. I think that's, you know, life kind of gets that way sometimes, but um always excited to be able to talk a little bit of Survivor with you. Um, you know, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. Um, obviously, I hope you had a good time over at the beach. Uh, sounded like you had a good time. Got to run a little bit, go, go over to the golf course. Um, you know, it's like a fun time. Yeah, living the dream. Had my family and uh, another good friend and, and his family. So we had um, nine people in a condo five of whom were little boys under the age of nine. That, 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 that sounds like a task, Jeremy. It was a lot. There's a lot going on. So, uh, yeah. So we had that going on. Um, but yeah, you know, if, if you, if you've this is your first time listening, my name is Jeremy Timmerman. This is Justin Baxley and we're the hosts of the blind side rewind We're we're talking survivor right now. We are coming into the home stretch of, a watch through of Survivor Kageyan and uh, some interesting stuff we're getting into. Yeah, I think that this little run of episodes we, we went through um, before you went on vacation, before I had all the stuff going on, was, was fairly interesting. You know, you start to see the power players um, for the season to. I guess, take shape in some ways. Uh, he, obviously, you already know Tony's a key player. Um, but I think, again, you start to see them editing some of the other people as strong competitors so that when Tony takes them out, it seemingly builds this resume that is almost unbeatable uh, in some ways. Uh, we see it with with Tasha and... Um, obviously they just sent LJ packing in the, in the, in the episodes before, um, Spencer's another one. I mean, so you're just seeing all these players that are being built up, not only for Tony to maybe take them out, but you see a lot of them being built for potential return seasons, which you do get a lot of return seasons out of Kageyan, um, with Sarah, Spencer, Tasha, uh, Tony obviously comes back a couple times. Um, Cass comes back. Uh, so you see a lot of these people returning. Um, and I, so I think that what you're seeing in episodes 9, 10, and 11 leading up to the last couple episodes is is really the establishment of some great Survivor characters. Yeah, and, and what we're, one of the hallmarks of this season that I notice about this season uh, more than a lot of the others, and we see it a couple of times through this run here, is that not only are these good Survivor players, they're passionate Survivor players. Um, and it's not so much because one of one of my least favorite things I see on Survivor is people who get upset that someone voted them out. Um, right. When there's really not a phase in Survivor, and especially in a season when you should feel comfortable because you start out with six people in a tribe, which means 
especially early on, you got a one in six chance of getting voted out, and it's almost a luck thing. Are you the one who had a bad day at the game at the at the challenge? You know, you trip one time in the first challenge, you might be gone. Um, But people, when they get upset about people voting for them, um, I I don't get that. You know eventually everyone is going to want to vote for you, uh, unless you're Tony. Inexplicably, nobody (laughs) ever wants to vote for Tony. Um, But uh, what we've seen in this season in particular, at least I feel like I've noticed, a a prevalence of uh, you end one episode – uh, the next episode begins right after Tribal Council, and somebody is mad about the way the vote went. Not that they got votes necessarily, although we do see that out of Tony, but uh, like like at the beginning of episode nine, uh, Jeffra shows a little spunk, and she's mad that uh, her alliance turned on LJ and then voted LJ out. You know, we talked a lot about LJ last time, that he's somebody who hasn't been back that that I, I think would be a good player to bring back. Um, and, and Jeffra, she's mad. She's like, you know, what are you guys doing? You know, this was our alliance. Why did you blindside him? And I like that. I like, I, as, as much as I dislike people getting upset about voting for you, uh, about get, getting votes for themselves, I like the fieriness about this was our plan. Why did you deviate from our plan? Uh, because this was a good plan. And see, we've seen that a few times this season. Spencer, uh, when Cass flipped at the merge, uh, he came to her and was like, why did you flip on us? You know, we we really felt like we had the numbers and you were the linchpin for us and you turned on us. And I think for me, an additional layer to this is how well some of these people are able to then spin that in a good direction. Spencer did a phenomenal job of Cass in terms of, you know, he got angry at her, told her how he felt, showed her, showed her the fire, but then immediately was willing to come back and be like, look, I'm willing to work with you. You're somebody that even though, you know, we've had our differences, it's somebody that I'm willing to work with you if you're willing to work with me. Um, and so I think that's kind of a, a situation where, like, I really do enjoy that fire and seeing them fight for that alliance that they thought they had built, but also being willing to say, look, it is the game of Survivor. I get it. You're going to send people home that I may not necessarily agree with, but that doesn't mean we can't work together in the future. Yeah, and the thing about this is, at the beginning of this episode, or at the beginning of this run, we were down to the final eight, right? Yeah, I think so. I think we're, we're, we're moving into really the winding down of this season. Yeah, and so when you're at that point, the numbers really matter. Because you can really start to count, okay, um, I'm an alliance of four. If we can stay strong and get the votes right, if we can get one person to flip um, and then vote them out pretty quick, we've got our four, and we can just kind of have a sprint to the finish, you know? Um, Whereas you, the, the numbers you need to feel solid you know, when there's 11, 12, 10, it, the numbers are big enough that, that you can't really count on. Now you're getting down to that home stretch where those numbers matter. When one person turns, it ruins your whole game because it goes from I'm in a majority or we're in a position where we could be a majority to now I'm definitely in the minority. And and so that's why you see that passion, and I like getting to see that. Uh, right. On the flip side, one thing that, that has puzzled me is what we've talked with both with Winners at War and Kageon the moves 
that are the decisions that where a player does something that inexplicably made it easier for Tony to win that where they had a chance to make a move and Trish, at least as this season has come through the merge and, and towards the finale, she's repeatedly been shown by other players. Listen, Tony is doing this. We have to do something about Tony. You know, he's, he's turned on this person. He's not reliable and he's somebody who could win. And she has repeatedly just been like, well, you know, Tony has a reason to do that. And, and whereas Jeffra and, and some of the others, Spencer, have stepped forward and questioned an ally, uh, Trish has been kind of a, a, a reliable number for Tony to the point that she won't even question. Right. I mean, why are you doing this? Why did, why did you turn on this person? And he's just able to say, oh, I, I knew I couldn't tell you because you, you would freak out. She goes, yeah, you're right. If he had told me, I would have freaked out. So I'm, I'm glad you didn't tell me. Good, good move. And it's like, well, but wait a minute. The reason you would have freaked out is because that move hurt you. Like <laughs> that well, move didn't you, help you. You know, we talked about this though with winners at war is that that Tony had that that someone else to work with there with Sarah, and it was a very similar dynamic. Uh, though I will say, I think Tony brought her along for a lot more of the moves. Um, that he yeah, was making and, and in, in Winners at War, they were more of an equal partnership, I, right? I think. And, and I think some of that though is because I think what Tony looked at it as is that if he drug her along the way he he's dragging Trish along, that the only way she wins in, in the event that he doesn't win it, is if Trish just happens to be a little bit more likable than the person she's sitting next to, like a cast. Versus in Winners at War. He needed Sarah to also have that resume just in case, you know, he were to lose. Cause I think he genuinely cares about Sarah. And I think he genuinely wanted to see her win if he couldn't win. Right. That's, that's a good and point. So I, and so I think that I think he viewed Sarah in, in winners at war, at least as an equal partnership, because he wanted to make sure one of the two of them that want, somebody from cops are us won. So, because at this point, that's three times in a row, or the three times that either of them have played together, one of them has come home as the winner. But he doesn't necessarily have that loyalty with Trish, and so I think you see that more this season, where he's just kind of dragging her along, views her as a number, and she just doesn't really see it. And I think that's something you see at the beginning of this episode is, is that Jeffrey goes to Trish and tries once again to say, look, man, Tony is just not trustworthy. Like, he is continuously screwing us over how are you not seeing it of course what she doesn't realize is tony sitting in his little spa shack yeah hiding in the bushes listening to everything jeff was saying and you know at this point you've got to think that when you start talking about tony you're probably going home yeah in this episode you know and i don't want to spend a ton of time talking about tony because we've obviously talked about tony a lot uh, through winners at war, and that's the reason we watch this season. And he's been he's establishing, but this episode is really where you start to see him make the moves and make things happen that that set him up to win. Because this is the episode when he finds the the uh, uh, what's the name of this idol he finds? The super is, idol. Is there a which... name? 
Yeah. I think it's the, su- it's the super idol. And let me tell you the fun fact about this, cause, and we'll get it at the finale, but I figure it's not a huge spoiler or anything. I think Tyler Perry is the one that created this, which is funny funny enough. Like, I think he's the one that decided to like insert himself as a super fan and be like, hey, Jeff, why don't we do this super idol thing? Uh, and Because we'll get to see Tyler Perry at the finale, if I'm not mistaken. And so the super idol allows you to play it after the votes are read, if I'm not mistaken. Is that right? Yeah. And so Tony, and I I don't want to spoil too much from a previous season uh, for people that haven't watched Cook Island yet, but Yule also gets an immunity idol during Cook Islands. And his idol is very much the exact same thing where you can play it after the votes are read. Which is huge. I mean, it It is. The the difference in playing it before the votes and after the votes is so massive. Right. Because you are willingly saying, I have to put enough votes to get Tony out, or you'll, in in his case, out, and then accept the fact that he may be the deciding vote of who goes home, because you may not have enough votes to split. Yeah. So that's kind of the thing you almost have to you have to throw one of your alliance down like on a, a live grenade basically and say like they've got to go home in order to get Tony to waste his idol. Yeah. And, if, or if you're to every, play his idol, especially once you, if you're one of these people who has realized how good Tony's playing um, or how well Tony's playing, you know, you have to get this idol out and that's what the people in winners at war. That's the mistake they made is they didn't flush his idol early enough. And it was almost like, well, he's here now. <laughs> he's yeah. here. He's going to be at the finale unless we can beat him at fire. Uh, oops. And, right. and, and that's, it's similar here. And, and the thing that Yule did uh, back in, in, in Cook Islands was he told people, this is an idol that I can play after the votes are read. So, like, if you don't side with me, I'm just going to take out the person that you don't want to go home. So you have to side with me. And he did this on numerous occasions. And Tony, being what seems almost like a student of the game in some ways, where he, he I, I'm, I'm sure Tony watched how you'll use that idol, uh, probably knew at least enough to know, because he, he plays it in a similar way. It's very brash. It's very in your face. It's letting you know, I have the super idol, and there's not a thing you can do about it. And I think that is the best way to play this idol, because it, the thing is, Playing an idol like this, you would rather it not be hidden because then they're just going to play it on you. You can play the idol, but then it's flushed by announcing it to everyone and telling them, hey, I have a super idol. I can play it after the votes. Get ready because you're going to get completely, you know, wrecked if you try to come after me. It allows you to kind of control the narrative and kind of control how the votes are going to go. Because people are so scared that you may be telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah, and I think Survivor took made an interesting choice here in that they they made it known through clues that this that this idol existed. It's a completely mm-hmm. different dynamic if there's been no clue to its existence and somebody somebody just comes up and says, Hey, I got a super idol. Then you you have a little bit more doubt that it's real. But if you know there's one in the woods and he claims he has one it's it's a little bit more likely that he it's real. Uh, it's a little right. more likely that that's what you're dealing with. 
which again in Cook Islands, and, and I'm trying not to give too much away for that season because I know we'll eventually watch it, but they know that there's a hidden immunity idol on Exile Island. And so they know when you'll, I mean, but the thing is, Yule comes back and he shows it to him. He's like, here you go. Here's my idol. Get ready, because I'm about to run run to the end. And that's pretty much what Tony has done here. He's just said, look, here's my idol. I'm going to run to the end. I, it's coming out of my bag of tricks, as he likes to call it. And, and I think, you know, and it comes at a good time for him, because I think if it came earlier, I think you'd be willing to, if you're, if you're in an alliance of, say, six, and there's ten people left, you'd be willing to say, hold on. We don't like Scott, and I don't. I know there are probably survivors named Scott, but like I just picked a name. Like we don't really like Scott. He's a number. Let's everybody vote for get everybody else together. We're all going to vote for Tony, except you. You vote for Scott, and then even though Scott's in our alliance, and then if Tony, if if it, if the person's telling the truth. They play their idol. Scott goes home. Who cares? If right. if he doesn't play his idol, he goes home. Uh, but because it's played so late in the game, they don't have a choice. And because it's there so late in the game, you don't really have the numbers to be able to play around with the numbers. You've got to right. – uh, you almost just have to let Tony get as far as he's going to get because you can't risk letting him send home you. If you're one, you, if, if you're one of the people on the other side, you can't risk like – you might be the one he chooses to send home. And you're, you're, you really are only going to have one more opportunity to get him out because you, you have to wait for the time after the, the last idol that can be played. It's kind of the, the rule of thumb there is you have to wait till the last idol can be played to try to get him out. Um, and so I think that, again, adds the wrinkle of <laughs> it's so late in the game it's hard to sacrifice somebody at this point because look, every single one of these people feel like that they're one move away from winning the game. It's not. And and the problem is, is that each one of the people now feels like that the people next to them, they've got to have them around in order for them to get further. And so it becomes a little bit harder to send home a a Scott. Um, And I think that the, the, what you're going to run into is, you're only going to have one real opportunity to get Tony out from this point on, or you have to flush the idol and then try to try to get maybe, maybe you'll have two shots at him or three shots at him instead of just the one. But at that point you've sacrificed somebody who you probably needed to win the game. Yeah. Yeah. It's really a tough spot. Um, in this episode, you know, they, they, they go through, um, immunity challenge standard type survivor immunity challenge, balancing a ball mm-hmm. on a pole. Tasha wins uh, her second consecutive immunity idol, which, you know, and, and it's stereotypical, but when we started this season, she's a smallish woman on the brain tribe, right? They have right. set us up to stereotype her as someone who is not going to be good at individual immunity. She wins her second and spoiler alert. She's about to win a third on the next episode. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about her. She's immune. Um, and after some uh, strategery shenanigans, Jeremiah is the one that goes home. And it, it's just I, – I don't have a lot to say about that decision, to be honest, because he's somebody that um, – he was pretty strong physically, um, pretty strong in puzzles, um, attractive guy. You know, that, that, that factors in this season, but just 
I, I don't have a ton to say about him going home. Honestly, there's just not much to Jeremiah, the survivor character. Right. Um, I don't, I don't know a lot about him. He, I never got invested into who he was. And I don't think that was his fault. And I don't think it was the editing fault. I just don't think there was a whole lot there. When, and I think part of it was, is he's playing in a season with survivor giants all around him. Yeah. And it's hard to stand out in a season like that when you don't have a whole lot of differentiating uh, characteristics about you. Uh, he's just the country boy guy who happens to be on the beauty drive. Um, because he's a fashion model and we do get that fun moment where he like reveals that he's a fashion model, but like, I don't, I don't ever get the, get the vibe that like, he's a well-known fashion model. He just like points out that he is one as though that's going to help him. And everybody's like, all right, cool. I guess. Yeah. That's that's great. Right. And that's kind of how I feel about him as the person on Survivor. So yeah, cool. Great. All right. So moving on to all these other giant people. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, I do want to circle back real quick to the super idol because it is, I want to talk about it really quick and get your thought on it. That has become really one of the key talking points of this season in in the survivor community is that this super idol should have never been a thing that it's just too overpowered and that it's just too much to be in, in play in a season and that it ruins the season to some degree because it basically gives somebody a free pass to the end. And so I kind of want your thoughts there. You know, I've heard both sides of this argument for years of whether or not that basically Tony had to have this idol in order for him to win. It, it, does it cheapen his win a little bit? And the same thing you've, we've heard about Yule is that he needed his idol to get to the end. And he had to have it in order for him to win that season. Otherwise, somebody like Ozzy probably wins. Well, I think it's easy to say that he needed that in order to win after he wins. Right. But at this point of the season, I feel like um, because what you know about him having the super idol is that he didn't win immunity, individual immunity challenges. I mean, he didn't win that. Um, he didn't. He did. Spoiler: He does end up finding another immunity idol, um, and that, that's two that he, that he has, including a super idol, and that's what clinches it for him. I don't think the super idol on its own clinches it for him because maybe if he just has the one super idol, he's not about that being what it is, right? Because then, yeah. because them deciding to flush that one is more costly to him. Because he's got two, that's what really allows him to be really brash about the fact that he's got that super idol. Because what he's not telling them is that he has a regular idol too. And so once they flush that, he's gonna he's got that other thing in his back pocket. Um, right. And so it's a combination of those two things. But there's still strategy. He he decides to tell them about the first one when he um, he still keeps grinding and keeps playing and keeps looking for stuff after he has it. Um, and, and what we also don't know, because what we see in Winners at War five years later is that he's five or six, however many years it is, he's actually yeah. a very good physical player. He's actually very good at immunity challenges. So there's also the thought of how much of him not winning immunity challenges in Kagiyan is kind of not that he was throwing the challenges, but that he had – is that – if he didn't have the super idol, would he have won individual immunity and secured immunity that way? 
um, would right. he have been more focused on winning those challenges instead of, okay, it's really good for me if – because what you do see from Tony is, and a lot of the players on this season, is kind of this shared immunity where, like, if somebody on their alliance wins immunity, they're excited about that. You know, mm-hmm. it's it's great for me to win it, but I also kind of want this – you know, it, it's kind of nice if um, my buddy Wu wins it. And we see that we, we see that from Tony. So I I do think it's a little bit overpowered, and I think Survivor would be better served if they found a way for that idol to only be available early. So that maybe that's one you can only find pre-merge, or that's one you can only find uh, just after the merge, not one mm-hmm. that you find with seven players left in the game. Um, because that does allow you to kind of walk to the end if you play it just right. Um, but I still think you have to play it just right. Yeah, no, I I agree. I think it's, you know, and and look, I think there's an argument to the other side being that it does cheapen the win for both Yule and for Tony and that they needed a special advantage that we don't really see very often in order to make it to the end. And I think it's especially true in both cases because they end up in a final two against somebody who is really good at the game too. And I think that's what makes it even more like, oh, wow, like these are two <laughs> extremely but isn't that players. But isn't that always the case? And I think that's a bigger factor than a lot of people would want to admit. All of the Survivor winners that I can think of that people want to cheapen their win were up against somebody that a lot of Survivor fans like. Yeah, a no, lot of Survivor, you know, and, and I mean, we saw we're guilty of this. I, I, I think that Chris Underwood would would that win would be one that we would question anyway. But we question it more because we like Rick Devins, you know. Um, if yeah. he had, if if he had beaten War Dog at the end, I like War Dog. War Dog's a great Twitter follow. If you don't follow War Dog on Twitter, you should. But, like, in context of the season, if Chris had come back to beat War Dog and done it the exact same way that he did against Devins, I would have been like, that's ah, a little cheap. But I wouldn't be as adamant about how cheap that well, was. And, you know, I mean, there are certain players on that season where I might have even been excited that he beat. Um, look, the way Ron Clark did Rick Devins, if he sends Rick Devins home that night, he gave him that fake advantage. If that's how Rick goes out. I'm going to be a little salty towards Ron Clark. And if Ron Clark makes it all the way to the end and Chris Underwood beats him, I might be a little excited to see Ron Clark get a little bit of karma coming back to him. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. <laughs> but but you but, see, like, people like Ozzy. People like, uh, you know, yeah, the, people like Woo. People like you know? Woo and, and Cass, or not Cass, Woo and Spitzer and Tasha. Yeah. Like, especially for this season, you've got three players that if Tony sits next to any of those three, people are going to be a little upset that, like, this super idol has allowed Tony to get there over yeah. their favorite. So I yeah. agree. I, I can definitely say that. Look, Ron Clark is a great guy, like, in real life. But, man, what a villain in, in Survivor. Yeah. Fun and, and... guy to watch. But I think I would have been a little bit happier that Chris Underwood had beaten him. But, so, so I think I think that plays a bigger factor. A lot of these things that people just really hate, and and people will never admit that, and that's fine. It, I think it has more to do with how much they like the other person. Um, but I, I still I, I do agree that the super idol, the ability, I, I, there's definitely a point there. There's definitely a point that the ability to play your idol when the votes are already cast is 
uh, of, of, it's, it's, it's definitely very high powered. Um, that what would seemingly, if you're a survivor outsider, that would seem, and I'm, I'm assuming no one listening to this is a survivor outsider, but if you were, that would seem like, well, that's not that big of a deal, but it's a huge deal. Well, and the way I look at it, especially with the, the, where it was found, and I'll put it into maybe sports terms, or ho- hopefully this makes sense, is that let's say our team is down, you know, football team's down 14, 14 to 10 with two minutes left in the game. But then all of a sudden, uh, you know, they pick up a first down. Well, that first down is a is a special first down. And that first down gets them seven points just for picking up the first down. Yeah. Now the score is 17 to 14. And that's kind of how this feels is that it flips the score in Tony's favor. It flips the score in Ewell's favor. Another thing where... that often gets ignored in that discussion is, and maybe it was just edited out, but how long did everybody on that island know that that idol existed? Right. And we don't see any conversation about that idol. We don't see anybody going to look for that idol. We don't see that. Now, I'm sure they did. But one thing about Tony this season is he immediately always goes looking. He's always looking. He's always scrambling. He's always trying to get. And he gets rewarded for that. Um, so, so that's another thing is that, yeah, he got the super idol, but everybody on the island knew about it. And he was out digging under tree trunks or tree roots yep. to find an idol and happens to find that one. So he, he worked for it. And it's very similar to the way Rick played in his season is he was the one working for the idols. Everybody gets upset that Rick, Rick Devins found all these idols. Well, Rick's the only one that we see actively looking for it. Yeah, he's I'm constantly sure ever... climbing up tree. I think other people look, but not maybe to the level in which, like Tony admits after the season, if I'm not mistaken, that like he basically went 39 days without sleeping. Yeah, but he, he no, was he, constantly he, working. He he mentions it. I want to say he mentions it during this season that like he wasn't resting. He was when everybody else would go to sleep, he was up looking. Um, and and that so so. He, it's not just you know a, a, a Hunger Games parachute drops from the sky and it's a, and it's a it's an idol for Tony. He was out there busting it. Um, yeah. So Jeremiah goes home. We didn't have a ton to say about that. Uh, the next episode, um, Spencer has an immunity idol. Uh, Tony has his his special idol. And is this where Tony goes and finds his other idol, or is that in the next episode? Um, I know he finds the clue for the next, for the regular immunity idol, right? In episode 10? I believe so. Yeah, he found it. Okay, so this is, this is the auction, which, you know, the auction is a great concept. I wish we saw more of it in later seasons. Um, You and I talked about that. It's so much fun. Yeah. It's ridiculously fun. He bought an advantage, and this was really cool because the thing about this, because of where this auction was in the season, is that you had Tony, Tasha, and Spencer not bidding on any of these food items, just waiting on an advantage. And it it ends up going to rocks, essentially, um, between Spencer and Tony. And it's so interesting that um, the season really comes down to this, right? Yeah. I mean, if, if Spencer draws the rock the correct way, are we talking about Spencer being one of the best winners to, to ever play Survivor? Right. 
Now, of course, <laughs> to, to, Tony had had his other idol, but if because Spencer had just played his idol and didn't have it, um, yeah. if Spencer has another idol, how how does the season play out differently? I don't know. But um, what I do know is that Tony wins, and they they both bid all of their money, all five hundred dollars, on the advantage, and. While and and it goes down to a rock draw, Tony draws the rock that wins him the advantage. The advantage is a clue to find another idol. He finds it, and so now he's mm-hmm. got a regular idol and a super idol. Um, Tasha wins another individual immunity challenge, and yep. uh, third consecutive immunity challenge. Is that right? Third consecutive immunity challenge, and Which we want to talk impressive. Yeah, it's impressive. And it stinks because, um, and and in this challenge uh, or in this episode, Jeffra gets sent home, and that's another one. Like Jeffra, kudos to her for hanging around as long as she did when she really didn't have a ton of assets going for her in this game. She's attractive, I guess, and that's what puts her in the beauty tribe. Nice um, person, nice, but she's not particularly strategic. She tries. Mm-hmm. I'll give her credit for that because there's lots of people in this game that. They're not gifted strategically, and they just kind of sit out of the strategy as a, as, as a result. Jeffrey is not particularly gifted strategically. That's not something she's good at, but she has her tail in those strategic discussions, as we talked about earlier. She gets a lot of credit mm-hmm. for that. But in the end, she was just kind of an easy vote out. When she starts flopping around trying to make stuff happen, people go, hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, and again, She doesn't can't... bring a lot to our alliance, and she's now not reliable. She gone. Right. And when she starts targeting Tony, who is kind of the godfather of the season. Yeah. She she targets Tony by going to the one ally that is so in his pocket that there's no turning her. So it just, it makes no real sense of, and again, that goes back to she's not strategically gifted. So she doesn't understand that going to Trish is, and is basically signing it over for her to go home. And what um, stinks, what stinks is Jeffrey's right. Right. Like yeah. Jeff, Jeff is telling Trish what's true. She's saying you need to flip on Tony. He will. He is the. He's masterminding this game. He's gonna win, and you can't rely on him not voting you out. Like she's trying to tell Trish what is true. But if, one of the things in Survivor, and it's what makes it a great social experiment, is knowing when telling somebody the exact truth that they need that they should be listening to isn't a great idea. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what which Jeffrey learns here. Which is why Tony is so good at the game is because he doesn't tell you necessarily what you need to hear or or, or what he tells you what you want to hear, or yeah. he tells you he tells you a version of the truth that twists you into doing what he wants. Uh, yeah. Very similar to the way he did LJ. Um, he got LJ out in that manner by telling him like. Man, that Wu guy, I tell you what, you know, and then all of a sudden LJ goes, well, why don't we send Wu home? And Tony's like, yep, that's what we, you know what? I don't know about that, but let me tell you, you t- gave me a great idea to go tell Wu what you just told me. I mean, it, it's the ability to craft a lie that is so close to the truth that the lines are blurred to the point of, of you can convince somebody to go do what you need them to do. And, and, and look, there's people that are good at it. Spencer's pretty solid at it. Uh, Tasha's not bad at it. Cass isn't bad at it. I mean, there's a lot of people in this season where you're like, they're 
pretty good at doing this half truth thing. Jeffra is not one of those people. Uh, but you so, know, so, so kudos to her though, because you know she tried to get in on it, but she just ends up going home, and and um, it, and that's the end of the beauty tribe. And and it, the the interesting thing, and we're gonna get into the brains next, but the interesting thing about the beauty tribe to kind of wrap up their performance in the game is that we start out the season kind of feeling like the beauty has a disadvantage because there's obviously a place in survivor competition for a brain to operate. And the same thing with a brawny strong player, there's not really room in the, in the, in the survivor uh, gameplay for somebody who's good looking, you know, that's not, it's not a natural fit, but we talked early on, they were stronger. They were really strong in those challenges. They had a good tribe. They had good rapport with each other. Um, and some of that came from people that you didn't expect to be good at things. Like Morgan was great at physical stuff. She was not bad strategically. Then you factor in that LJ could have really gone on either of the other two tribes, in my opinion. Like he was smart enough to be considered a brain. He was strong enough to be considered a brawn. Yeah. So they they kind of they got a little bit of a catch-all tribe. Yeah. Um, more because- so than anything. It was more people, in my opinion that Survivor really wanted to cast these people, but didn't know how to find a third B to fit the brain and the brawn theme of the season. So they just went with beauty and cast the people they really wanted to cast. And some of them just happened to be attractive. And then they kind of ran out of the super attractive people and then started putting people that were mildly attractive, but good at other things that made them good at Survivor. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really an interesting concept and and in the end they're the first tribe to go to be all gone and and that it kind of makes more sense so it kind of came full circle it went from oh they're not going to be able to hack it to oh wow they're actually a fairly strong tribe to they're the first tribe gone so it kind of makes a full circle and then we come into the 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 next episode and um for once, there's no argument about the, the vote out of Jeffra. And um, we've got a little bit of a misunderstanding here. And th- because this is where Tony is talking with the other guys and the women are asleep and they make comments about who's asleep. And um, all we hear on the edited version of the conversation is Tony mentioning that Cass is still asleep. And that's kind of unusual. She must not feel good. Um, and then Cass is convinced that she heard Tony call her the B word. Um, and, and it's, it's one of those that it's hard. Like I know Tony in the version we saw didn't say that. And Tony claims he didn't say that, but Tony also says that I didn't say anything about you, which we also know that's not true. He did say something about her. He just said that she was still asleep and that's weird. She must not feel good. So it's just, it's one of those interesting things that makes Survivor uh, at times a frustrating form of entertainment because we know we don't see everything. So what did she hear that made her think that's what he said? Well, but you've also got to consider the source in some, some of these cases is Cass is a little bit chaotic and she calls herself Chaos Cass. She's... And look, I, I'm not saying that, that Tony didn't say it because there's a chance that he did say it. 
But she also looks for things. She looks for arguments. She enjoys it. That's what she does for a living. She's a lawyer. And so I think you see Cass almost, and, and some of it could be, she may have been trying to get Tony out by causing an uproar. Um, maybe it was a play. Um, again, we don't know that because we don't really see the that come to fruition. She, she genuinely seems to think that's what he said. Um, I, I don't know for sure. But again, it's a, you know, if, if Tasha were to say it, I'd be a lot more inclined to believe that that's what happened. Um, versus Cass, she's made herself known as a survivor character who thrives in drama, thrives in the chaos of an argument. Um, and so she definitely, I don't, I don't know how true it, I mean, I don't know really, I'm not saying I don't believe her, but also it's a little bit harder to believe someone when they continuously start these arguments with folks around camp. She's done a dispenser. She, she's always paranoid that someone's talking about her. Um, and so it, it's hard to, to say for sure, but you're right. I think it, it's a situation where it is frustrating as a viewer because you don't see everything. So you have to take everything that happens at face value on the edit, which shows us that Tony didn't say anything like that, that he yeah. seemed genuinely concerned for Cass. Yeah. Um, so it's just kind of a weird little exchange there. And then we, we get to a uh, reward challenge and uh, the team of, of Cass and Spencer and Wu win. And the, the, this is one where the, the voting in the end, it, it, it doesn't really line up with the conversation we see. And this is one of the things I, I'm not traditionally an old school, new school. I don't like. We, we've talked about this this conflict some. I don't particularly align myself with old school, but this is what frustrates me some about the new school Survivor seasons is that the vote in the end doesn't match the conversation we've seen in the edit. And and it, while they're on this this reward, which is they get to go into a village and, and uh, hand out school supplies to kids and – Wu is incredibly entertaining for these children. Spencer straight up hates kids, which is weird, and I don't understand it, but somehow he hates children. And he's super uncomfortable, whereas Wu is the man of the hour and just entertaining everybody. I don't know, Jeremy. Spencer is a 20-something-year-old kid. He kind of says some problematic things throughout the season. Uh, And, you know, maybe chalk it up to him being young. Look, when I was twenty something years old, kids terrified me. To be honest, if we're being you're twenty something so, year old, you're twenty something well, years old now. now, right? But, but like when I was twenty versus twenty five, like I, at twenty, I was terrified of children. Like they, they the like I didn't want to be left alone near a kid. Now you know I'll keep my nephews. You know I'm I'm good hanging out watching Frozen or Moana with my nephew. That's not a big deal to me anymore. Like I like the kid. We hang out. I buy him toys. You know, fun times. But you know, if you'd have, if you'd have told me four or five years ago that I would have enjoyed hanging out with a kid, I'd probably have been like Spencer, like, oh, get him away from me. I don't want to be around no kid. Uh, obviously, it's a little different when it's family, I guess. Um, but he called them little monsters. Jeremy, I don't know that I haven't called them little monsters when I was that young as well, man. I, I, I guess just being honest, like. The only time I interacted with kids 
was if I was out at a restaurant and they're crying or, you know, if I'm at a, some random function, they're running about. The only interactions I have with kids at this point were bad interactions. Like, I'm not having good interactions with kids. So my first thought is they're little monsters. I, I guess that that just blew me away when he was just straight up like, <laughs> oh, to get these little monsters away from me. I was like, all right, wow. I guess it's a little different though. Like he is in like he's he's there and he's trying to help these kids that are clearly like like they're they're wanting school supplies and they're excited about backpacks and he just doesn't seem to like even have a bone of empathy in his body towards Not him. A so bone. maybe maybe that is a little bit different than like being here and just interacting with kids on a daily basis. Where like I'm just like oh they're little monsters, he's kind of like in a situation where like I would probably be a little bit more like oh you guys come here like I'm excited to be able to help you. Nope, not Spencer. He don't get rat. Yeah, you're you're hey, probably right. But it, and <laughs> and so during that 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 time though, Cass and Spencer try to convince Wu that the time is right to try to get Tony out, and I just. I don't know about that strategy, and it doesn't work because in the end, um, Tasha doesn't win immunity, and uh, she's the one who ends up going. But Cass is one of the people who votes her out, yeah. and so a, a lot changes between there and here. Um, well, and I think some of it is I think Cass figured out that Wu wasn't going to flip, so there was no point in her making enemies out of Wu and Tony, right? Uh, and Trick. Trick just then she goes home next instead of Spencer. Yeah. Or instead, you know, she becomes a more obvious vote out at that point um, if she turns their back. So if you know that, that your vote doesn't have numbers, there's no point in not voting with the majority. And so I think she probably knew that. Hats off to, to Spencer for winning immunity on this episode. Because if, if it, it's not, if it's not, uh, if he doesn't, he goes home, uh, if we're being honest. Like Tasha's, even though she's won three immunities in a row, I think Wu and Tony still view Spencer as the bigger threat. Um, and some of that is because you see it in the reward challenge. Like he single-handedly brings bring them, brings them back in that. I mean, Cass helps some, but I mean, Spencer throughout the season has show, showcased the ability to take over a, a reward challenge or take over uh, you know, in some of these more athletic physical events. And so if he gets the right immunity challenge, he can win it. And he did in this case. Yeah. And um, I, I think it's just this episode, because of course, Tosh gets voted out. Tasha gets voted out in the end. Uh, Wu won't flip. Cass stays with that alliance and votes with, um, votes with Trish and Tony. And they take out Tasha. And I, to close out this episode, I, I would like to talk a good bit about Tasha because she went from um, – she was part of that brain tribe that just couldn't get together. You know, we talked earlier about just how awful that tribe was. And she was I, – I would, I would dare say on the bottom of that tribe, not by her own fault, but because she aligned herself with Jatia, who was such a head case. And right. – Tasha manages to just survive that that train wreck of a tribe, and we've seen it with other with other players in Survivor history that may have been fine, but they're on a, a tribe that just cannot win, and they end up going home way earlier than their abilities have would have 
generally allow, but she survives that tribe and she gets into the merge and then goes on a three straight mm-hmm. immunity challenge wins, which in the end may have been what sunk her. I think if she hadn't won, maybe if she wins one immunity, because there was definitely a time you and I talked about where if she doesn't win immunity, she goes home. But right. maybe if she just wins that one immunity, she gets to the end. But yeah. be, but because she won three in a row, she becomes the clear target. As soon as Spencer wins immunity and she doesn't, she's the clear target to go home. Yeah, and look, I think that you know overall she is a fantastic player. And I think we got set up for that even in the early stages when everybody was not wanting to talk and they didn't want to play the game. And Tasha's just like, I didn't come out here to be babysat. I came here to play. I came here to strategize. I came here to make moves. And so it really sets you up for what she becomes throughout the season is somebody that is not afraid to make moves. And look, I think that probably cost her um, in the end is, is because she does have that ability to make moves. She becomes a big threat during the season. Um, but I think she also establishes herself as a potential comeback kind of player. And she does come back. And in fact, in the, in one of her seasons that she returns, she makes it to final tribal council. Um, I won't say if she wins or not, but she does make it there. And so I think what you're, what you're getting out of Tasha is you've got a player who in Kagiyan could have easily won and then comes back and cause almost wins again. I mean, she is, she is one of the better, you know, players in, in survivor history in some ways, just on the couple times that she's played and, and, and has been a serious threat both times where you could make the case that like she's one or two moves away from being the winner and maybe even winning, you know, probably doesn't win twice because she doesn't get to come back for that other season, but, um, or she may have to come back for winners at war. But again, I think it's a situation where she's just run up against a season full of powerhouses um, in her return season. She does, she kind of runs into a similar situation. Um, but I think this also showcases the brain tribe really well. Is And it goes back to something we talked about a couple episodes ago that when you go to tribal council as often as they were going, if you can just survive it, you can build that bond between those three people. And in this case, you know, Cass kind of does her own thing. Um, but between Spencer and Tasha, they get so close together. And they make moves throughout this game together and are just phenomenally paired because of everything they went through on the brain tribe. And if you'd have told me that in the first couple of episodes, I told you you were crazy because those were the two that it looked like was going to feud. Um, just because Spencer aligned himself on the wrong side. And when Tasha was able to get cast to flip over to her and Jatia um, to take out the d- dude, Garrett, I think was his name. I don't even remember his name anymore. Cause he didn't matter. Um, yeah, he was the worst. I think it was he Garrett. was so he bad. He was terrible. He was terrible. Um, but I'm sure he's a great human being or something. Maybe he's, he's really not. Bad at Survivor. I don't, I don't, right? even, I don't know. I, he may I'm not, not even, even be. sure he's a great human being, and that he seems probably, terrible. But like, <laughs> he did kind of come off as as a he bit comes of an off ass. as somebody who may not even be a good human being. 
Right. You're yeah, no, you're right. I, I was trying to be nice, but maybe no yeah, need. Maybe he's just not right. He's probably a, he might be an ass. Uh, so anyway, when you look at it, like you see the way that these two play the game together throughout and you just see this bond that's built through almost trial by fire. They had to, they had to be together. Um, they didn't really have a choice. And you see them here at the end, you've got all three brains still left in the game up until this episode. And you've had four straight immunity challenges one by brain. I mean, it's unbelievable, really, the run that they've gone on. And Spencer may have even won the immunity before that. I can't. That's remember. what I was just about to look at. Um, so it may be five in a row. I think Spencer wins two. But regardless, to see this brain drop from where they came, and I yeah, mean, me and so, you both called it. Go ahead. So here we go. Um, the immunity challenge before that, Spencer outlasted Tasha in the. Uh, mm-hmm. The one where you had your your head holding the block to the top of the frame. That's right. So, so they were. That's the thing. They were up against each other at the end on like two or three of these. So where like so, a so, brain was going to win. Yep, he won. Um, Tasha won the 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 memory game, and I think Spencer was in the final group of that one. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Final three, maybe. Because I think yeah. LJ was final two. Tasha won the ball, bouncing the ball on the pole, and Spencer was down to the end on that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, then it was Tasha beating, outlasting Wu in the, uh, let's see, what's this one? It was one. It was standard Survivor Challenge. P- pull a rope, yeah. there's bags, throw, throw bean bags, you know, all kinds of things. Um, yeah. And then Spencer, I think it was Spencer and Tasha. Well, it's hard to say who was close because that's the the one that Tasha ended up not winning that Spencer did was the one where they had to count the items and then the the number of the items created a a combination for a lock that they had to pull. and, And it was so it was tough to say who finished second in that one. But the point is there were five straight immunity challenges where a brain or four straight or five. I think I said five or five straight immunity challenges, one by a brain and a couple of times where uh, the other, uh, another brain was right in the mix to win it. And it's, it's impressive. Um, Right. We called them the worst tribe, arguably in survivor history to start the season. And you get down to here and they've won five straight immunities. They're the bigger players in terms of strategy um, they're making a lot of the moves. Just overall, you, you look at this tribe, and I think there's at least an argument to be made that they are right there in line with how good the Braum tribe was. Because yeah, the and, Braum and, tribe has Tony and Wu, and eventually we find out how good a player Sarah is. But you you could really make an argument that like if you took the two best in this particular season, Wu and Tony, put them up against Tasha and uh, Spencer – it, it's a close race on who overall is the best duo. Yeah. Oh, and, and they're really good. In fact, what, what they're undoing is that Cash just refuses to uh, – she insists on playing her individual game, and that's what makes her a strong player in the sense that it's what makes her worth bringing back. Um, mm-hmm. But it's what prevents her from winning, and it's what prevents them from winning is that Cass – 
unlike when we watch Token Chains and that trio from that tribe of JT, Steven, and Taj work together almost until the very end. Um, you don't get that with Cass. She'll work with them some, but then she flops over and works with Tony and 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 kind of does her own thing and and is and is motivated by her own personal agendas. And that's what makes her an entertaining player, and that's what makes her worth bringing back. But it costs her and those other two a chance to win because in this episode they were flat not going to convince Wu to turn on Tony. And because of that, Cass stays in the um, stays in the number to help Tony and them take out Tasha, right. which still doesn't make sense to me because they would have had a three three tie and at the very least forced Tony to use his idol, force him to use his idol, um, or I mean, you, you maybe you send it to rocks. I mean, you you don't really know. I, maybe you place the votes on Wu, or maybe you place the votes on, on uh, Trish. See, um, I, I, I still think the right play there, because you don't know about the other idol. I think the right play there is, all right, if, you, if you're Cass and you're really thinking, all right, I can't convince Wu. But what I can do is I know if I go 3-3, three, three, worst case scenario, it goes to Rocks, and Tasha maybe goes home. Best case mm-hmm. scenario... Tony plays his idol, Tasha goes home, but I flushed that idol. The end result was never going to be better by voting with them. You know what I right. mean? Like unless you, unless she assumes that the power of this idol is something even stronger than what it really is. Maybe she thinks that it it, it allows Tony to maybe force a revote and then he now knows that Cass has flipped on him. Cass then ends up being the one they target and she goes home. That, that's the only thing I can think of because he doesn't necessarily reveal what the power is to Cass. Is that right? He just tells her, I've got an idol. You, you, if you write my name down, you go home. Was, was basically Tony's what he tells her. And so I think but, that... And, and, and maybe, maybe, maybe that's it because that makes it make sense because at that point, you know... If all it is is that if all it is if all it is is that he can use it after the votes are cast, then he's going to cast votes for Tasha, and he can't send Cass home. You know, right. all he can do is make sure he doesn't go home. But Cass doesn't know that. Yeah, but Cass, Cass doesn't. Cass, so, so that all makes Cass it make knows sense. is that it's a special idol with special powers. And in her mind, that special idol could be it makes Tony safe, and it also maybe it flips it to where he gets to revote, um, which could then force her to go home instead of instead of Tasha. And so she has to play a self preservation game, um, which again goes back to maybe that idol is super powered in the sense that Tony can realistically tell them. That that idol does anything. I mean, he he realistically he could tell them that if he plays the idol, he not only is safe, but he chooses who goes home. Like he he's cast the sole vote to send somebody home. That's how superpowered it could be. And there's really nothing that stops them from believing that. 
And so I think that's kind of where it's even more super powered than what Survivor intended is because it really becomes a, a, a game of what Black and Tony tell about this idol. I mean, there's an, you know, there's just so many things he could tell you that it does, even if it doesn't do it. So I think, I think what I'm, what, what I'm, what I'm getting, what I'm coming to is that maybe the right way to handle that idol, if they want to use it in the future and I get why, and there's value in the reasons why they treat it the way they do, that there is an idol with superpowers and does, or an idol with special powers that doesn't, um, and they don't make it clear what those special powers are. It's part of the social experiment. It's part of what you were just talking about. What lie will that person tell? It opens up the strategy a little bit. But I think what we've learned is that that idol in that context is a little bit too high powered. Yeah. And you can mitigate that easily by saying when you – because when, when Jeff announced it that there was an idol with special powers, right? Mm-hmm. Or, or or it was in a little it was in a tree mail or something. When it's announced, put in there, there is an idol with this specific power. It's the super idol, and it allows you to it allows you to cast uh, it allows you to use it after the votes. So that then people are still aware that it exists, and there is still a benefit to playing it the way Tony and, and apparently Wu both played it, and in saying, hey, listen, I've got this idol, and I'm I'm going to use it if you vote for me. There's still right. uh, most of the strategy is there, but you don't have that specter hanging over of well, what if what if it does something else? What if right? And I think well, like in Yule's season, it wasn't necessarily told that it was a special idol, just that it was an idol, and I believe they said that it could be played after the votes, because I think what happens is is that after every vote, Jeff just says, Yule, do you want to play your idol for you know after the vote? And he's like, No, I'm good. We're good, and because he he kind of does the same thing where he wears it around his neck at travel. He's just like, "Yep, I got it. It's here," and it's not necessarily billed as a special idol. It's just an idol because again, this is very early on in Survivor, where idols aren't necessarily as prevalent as they are when you get to season twenty-eight, where you, we've we've seen what uh, five or six idols already. Because you know you had one for each tribe. That's three. Tony finds one or two more. Um, and Spencer's five. got a, Spencer. Spencer's got Spencer found one. one. So you've got you've got like six idols, and you'll see them. There was only one idol, and that one idol it happened to have this power, and so they brought it back as a special idol um, for for Kageyan. And I think the difference was they told you in Yule season that it can be read after the votes. The, the lie I believe Yule told was that it could be used to get him into final tribal council, which it could not. There was a certain point where it stopped working, if I remember correctly. Um, and, but he told the lie that it could technically allow him, he could play it all the way up to final tribal council, and they bought it. Yeah, and so I think uh, the obvious right move, when you know it's a special idol, is just throw all the votes on him. And, and yeah, yeah. Make him play it. And yeah, that means somebody's going home and it might be you, but like the alternative is you let him get all the way to the end. And if you let him get all the way to the end with that, but, but by flaunting that idol, he's probably going to win because everybody on the jury is going to go, well, he's there because he played everybody. Mm-hmm. I got to vote for him. 
So I, I just I, – I don't understand why as soon as that person makes it known that they've got it, you wouldn't get rid of them. I, I still – that still baffles me. Right. Well, and it's almost like he – because he invites it in, it makes them even more scared. Like somebody like Cass who overthinks just about everything when it comes to Survivor. When, when she is confronted with this where Tony's like, if you do this to me, you're going home tonight. Well, Cass is going to overthink that and be like, oh, well, that special item might have this power, this power, this power. And so what you're looking at is a season where Tony is really able to just tell them, yep, this idol does this, 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 and this, and basically that means you're not going to get me out. Yep. Um, look, they, it, you know, you're right. In, in, a, in a perfect world, that would just be, Let's throw our votes on it and just see what it does. Um, but nobody, especially somebody like Cass, who is 100% just about preserving Cass and preserving how she can get to the end, is is not going to ever risk it. She's not the type of player who would risk it. Now, I'll tell you, Spencer, Spencer's somebody that would risk it. Tasha's somebody who would risk it. Like, there's enough players in this season who would risk it. But the problem is there's not enough that are left because you've got people like Trish who are never going to risk it to find out if Tony's a liar. You've got Cass who's never going to risk it to find out if Tony's lying. So you've got the players here at the end that are just not going to risk it. Wu maybe would risk it, but he's also in a situation where if he's wrong, he's going to go home next because he's a threat. Well, And, 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 and Wu, Wu really just missed his chance to win a million dollars. Because it's it's just just like in Winners at War, well, we keep we keep saying that. Um, that, uh, that yeah, there's another decision later on that you're going to say this about. <laughs> sure, sure. I, I mean, I, I, you know, I've, I, 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 I know enough about the way the rest of this season goes to know that there's others. But like, if realistically, if he was going to keep Tony from from getting to the to the point where he could be at the end. He needed right. to, he needed to take that offer to jump ship and vote for Tony then, and he didn't, and and he kind of, well, but that's kind of the story of Wu's season, and I think that that's where you're getting this edit from, is that the entire season is centered around Wu's ability to take Tony out, and he doesn't do it, and you're really going to see that when we get into the next couple of episodes where Wu is going to be presented with this opportunity on multiple occasions, and is going to, I mean, you're going to eventually get to a point where you will see it. Basically it's going to cost a million dollars. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and it's, it's, it's like, baffling. This one, this one is just a very small opportunity to, to ensure that he gets a million. Um, there are, there are bigger opportunities down the road that we're going to see over the next couple of episodes where you're just going to look at woo and just be like, man, you should have been on winners at war. You should have, you should have been a winner. And I think that's going to be like of all the big players, power players on this season, Spencer, Tosh, Tasha, the people that you want to see that are winners. And I'd like to see them come back. Um, I would like to see have won and should be winners like Spencer. I would love to, if he, he could have won this season or even won his comeback season. 
because he's such a fun character. I enjoy him. He's one of my favorite players to ever play the game. I would have loved to have seen him play in Winners at War because I think he his style and what he does really fits well there. But of all the people in this season that you have to look at and say they should be a winner, it's Wu because there are so many opportunities where this guy just has just this gold, like a layup. Like, you know, those, those little games, uh, you see them where they say, like, if you make a layup, you get $25. If you, if you make a free throw, it'd be 100 If you hit a half-court shot, it'd be a million. Which one would you take? Wu has that, but every one of them is for a million. Like, he has the half-court shot for a million, the free throw line for a million, and the layup. And he somehow manages to miss every single one of them. Yeah. And, and we're set up, you know, we're, we're to the end of our episode, but, um, the next week or so we'll be watching the final two episodes. We're down to five players. We've got Wu, we've got Tony, we've got Cass, we've got Spencer, and we've got a uh, Trish who I wanted to forget, but I couldn't do it. Um, we have two or three episodes left, Jeremy. I'm, I'm a little lost on, on we have how two. many. Okay. Cause remember we this two. is the season where like my episodes were, super weird and yours were weird when we started watching. So I wasn't sure exactly how no, many episodes we had left. It's two. Um, uh, the Wikipedia and I think others list the reunion as a separate episode. Uh, I don't know if it's separate or not, but we have two more action episodes left. Gotcha. Okay. So 12 and 13 are what we have left. Yeah. And we'll watch those and then we'll come back. And, you know, obviously we, we know who, who wins, but um, I'm curious to see how this plays out and I'll be, um, I'm excited to, to, to wrap it up. Have you, have you got any thoughts on where we want to go next, uh, for, for our next season? You know, um, I, because we are obviously winding it down. We're, we're getting there. Um, well, we and could go back, we, you know, we could go back far and go, go reach back and grab Africa. Um, yeah. we I, could I go, there's, there's two seasons I really like for you. Millennials versus Gen X and David versus Goliath. David versus Goliath is the personal favorite because our boy, we're both big wrestling fans. Um, we obviously have a lot of very similar interests, you and I, um, whether that be beer, football, fantasy sports, um, wrestling, uh, Harry Potter. I mean, we're in a lot of ways we're the same person. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, we didn't realize that until, until recently that we, we really are really a lot alike. Um, but John Morrison is on, uh, who's a big uh, wrestling uh, character for us. He's on David versus Goliath. Okay, um, so that'll be yeah. that could be a fun that could be a fun season for you. Again, it's new school. Um, but Which, you what, what number things. is that? Thirty-seven, I think. Oh, okay. So think, it's, it's it's even newer then. Okay. Yeah, I want to say that it's the season before Rick's season, and if I'm not mistaken. And I could be wrong on this, and, and if any of the Survivor super fans out there want to correct me on it, they can't. I think Rick Season filmed before David versus Goliath, but because David versus Goliath was such a strong season, they decided to, to put that one on the air first. Um, because it is one of the most action-packed seasons. I loved it. I thought the concept was great. There's some really great players involved. Um, there's a lot of new twists that were added that I thought were actually worked pretty well. Um, and so I think that, you know, as far as new school seasons, probably within the last 10 seasons, taking out winners at war, David versus Goliath has a strong case to being the best season we've had in the last 10 seasons or so. 
Well, let's do that one then. Let's just go ahead and commit to do that one, unless I look at the cast and see for some reason I don't. Um, yeah, let's just let, let's just plan to do that one. Yeah, then. yeah. There's there's a lot of great players on there. I believe uh, I, if you've seen School of Rock, right? Yeah. Um, the uh, Jack Black's best friend. Oh, uh, Mike the, White. Mike White. Yeah, he's yeah. also on that season. So you'll know a couple of the people on there just from being celebrities um, or people that you know that kind of revolve in our our pop culture circle, um, like John Morrison, maybe who aren't necessarily a big deal to everybody, but definitely somebody that we enjoy. Uh, and he does a really, he's a fun, he's a fun guy on the show. And I, personally, I came out of it being a bigger fan of John Morrison uh, than when I went into watching it. Cool. Um, and I was already a pretty big fan of his just from watching him in wrestling, watching him grow up, watching him as I grew up. Cool. Yeah. So we'll plan on doing that. Um, so yeah, just catch us next week and we'll, we'll have a, the final episode of our Kageon watch through Justin. It's been a pleasure. All right, bud. Take care. You too.